All right. Good morning. Good to see you. I am Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad to be. And uh, I've been, you know, leading a lot of worship lately, and so, which I love, but I haven't had a chance to preach quite as often, so I'm really glad for this opportunity. Thank you for coming and being here and making this part of your day and part of your life, and greetings to you at home. We're so glad that you're, you're tuning in and connecting that way. As many of you know, we are spending the year in a Bible reading plan, and I love that that makes it uh, especially much. I mean, we're always focusing on the Bible and things like that around here, but we're very specifically looking at scriptures that are, you know, planned out beforehand. Um, and I think that the preaching team has been doing a great job in the beginning of this year, and I'm just really grateful for all the messages that we've heard so far. Uh, we've made the readings available to you, by the way. I think they're in your program. They're also in the, at the life group wall out there in the lobby. And if you're at home or if you like apps better, you can find the church app. It's River Heights Vineyard Church. And if you find that, you actually find a whole bunch of things at that app, but also the, the reading plan will be there. And that would allow you to follow along with the, the reading you know, trajectory as we go. You could actually read the scriptures beforehand if you'd like. So, if you've already been following around um, on this, you may have noticed that the scriptures aren't thematically linked directly. Like in some reading plans that you would do, it's like a very specific theme of that day is picked, right? And then there are like three verses that are so specifically, obviously connected together. Um, this reading plan isn't quite that way. It's designed more to like give us like a broader scope of the Bible. So you get different parts of the Bible, and it's supposed to just help us be more well-rounded in knowing our scriptures. However, in this particular part of the church calendar in this season, um, we are in a season that's called Epiphany, and that's why our series right now is called Epiphany. And Epiphany is a fancy word for God revealing himself to us, okay? And so... As we've heard in the announcements last week, um, this is in the church calendar. Um, maybe you'll see a theme like that happening in the scriptures as you follow along. It's a little bit more subtle. I kind of like that stuff. I like subtle. Like maybe you need to piece something together a little bit. Uh, we do that just after Christmas because Jesus coming and being born is the perfect example of God revealing himself to us, right? In so many ways, we didn't know what God looked like until Jesus shows up, and then we do. And so that's epiphany. So today I'm going to talk about how Scripture and Jesus both bring epiphany, or revelation of God, to us. We're going to look at this in three phases, and they're all taken from just today's uh, readings that are assigned to us. I'm going to pray first. Would you pray along with me? Uh, God, would you reveal yourself to us today? We just welcome epiphany. Help us know you better. Help us see you better today. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for praying along. Epiphany phase one. This is very focused on Scripture. Here it is. Scripture reveals us. I don't know if you've thought about this so much, but Scripture does an excellent job of showing us who we are, and, and it also does an excellent job of showing us who we are not. I've had an interesting relationship with Scripture over the years. I grew up in church. My parents planted the first vineyard church in Minnesota when I was in about middle school. So I've been in the vineyard movement for decades and decades now. Um, but even before then, my dad was a Methodist pastor. So I've kind of been in the church thing the entire way. 
I learned about the Bible in lots of different places, in kids' church, in youth group, and my parents did a really good job of reading Bible stories to us when we were young, and sometimes we'd even talk about Bible stuff around the, around the dinner table. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, it was so holy and, you know, like it was on some sort of like Jesus sitcom or something, right? Um, but it was very good. There was a lot of Bible. My parents actually tried to help us know um, those stories and things like that. And so as I got older, I heard my dad's sermons every single week. Every single week, I heard my dad's sermons. The pastor's kids can uh, attest to this kind of thing. I think, I'd have to ask my mom about the, the numbers, but it seems to me like I had like three Sunday sick days in like 18 years. That's what it felt like to me, right? You know, if only, you know, if you're overseeing somebody at, at work, wouldn't it be great if somebody only had like three sick days in, in 18 years, you know? Um, but I was there every week for the most part, you know, unless it was like a baseball tournament or something, right? And so uh, by being around and hearing the Bible so much, I just basically learned what was in the Bible. You might know somebody like John Marsden, or maybe you're somebody like John Marsden, where you know uh, exactly where stuff is. Like when you're talking with John, who's our founding pastor, um, a lot of times I'm talking about a problem or something, or I need some encouragement, and he says, well, it says in John chapter blah, blah, and I go, that is awesome. I can't do that most of the time, okay? I am a little bit more aware of what's in there and what's not in there, and so over time, I know what's in there, and then I normally need some electronics or something to be like, where does it say that, and then I figure it out, okay? So, but I do know what's in there. I had the blessing of having some people invest in me that way. And so I do want to say, blessings on you if you are somebody who is trying to get your kids together and get them to church in some way to get them into youth, you know, stuff. Or if you're trying to get a friend to come experience a good thing at church. Um, you know, if you've got like a spouse who doesn't want to come, stuff like that. Because uh, it's worth it. You know, I think every little bit matters. You know, you, we never know exactly what's going to, like, stick with us. And it's, it's really, uh, it's not easy work, but it's worthwhile. So, let's see, I was doing an encouragement, and now I don't know where I am. Okay. Also, I do want to say, those of us that, I mean, you're committed and you're here, or you're at home and you're turning in. You have, you have made time for this, and that is also, even if it's just you getting yourself here, that is good and worthy work, you know? As many times as you can make a space for God to, you know, to things be even like around you, God's stuff being around you, even if you're not having like an explosively awesome Sunday morning, it all makes a difference. It's form, forming us. It's shaping us, and we never know when something is going to stick or change our lives forever. So I hope we have those experiences. Uh, but I also just want to commend us. You know, Maybe some of us are saying, this year I want to be more consistent in that. God bless you. We're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit if we do that. Change is hard sometimes, right? We'll be talking a little bit about that today. So some of us probably had a lot of church and Bible and stuff in our young years like I did, and some of us probably not so much. And if you didn't, you are in good company. And especially today, because one of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at is going to be very much more like your experience if you don't have a lot of background in church than it is mine. I was uh, looking at a particular psalm 
this week, and it's Psalm 19, 8, and it says, The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. But what if we didn't have and didn't know the commandments of God, like, at all? Like, what if there was just no way to know? Many of you have probably seen the movie, it's a Marvel movie, uh, Avengers Infinity War. Some of you seen this. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to tell you about it a little bit, and I'm going to ruin it for you. And I'm sorry, but I'm not really. You had since 2018 to see this movie. Um, so in Infinity War, the villain Thanos is trying to collect all of the Infinity Stones. If he can get all of them, and if he can put them all in the knuckles of his glove, he can then instantly make half of the people in the world disappear. So that's what that movie's about. Vaporize half of the world's population. I think we have that. There he is with his glove. Spoiler alert, or plug your ears, he does it. He vaporizes like half of the people. So poof, half of the people in the world are gone, and half of the Avengers are gone too. They instantly disappear. But what if when Thanos got those infinity stones and he put them in his glove, what if something else disappeared? What if it wasn't people? What if it was Bibles that disappeared? What if instead of half of the Bibles in the world disappearing instantly, it wasn't just half of the Bibles, what if all of the Bibles disappeared? And what if over time there was hardly anyone left who remembered what the Bible said. Now that's a little bit like some people in one of today's scriptures. It's the Jewish people about 444 years before Jesus came. And we hear their story in the book of Nehemiah, and I'm going to focus on chapter 8 today. So as background, the Jews had fallen on hard times. They had been defeated and taken from their land in Israel into exile by the Babylonian Empire. So they were in Babylon. And the Babylonians later fell to the Persians. And so then the Persians ruled not only the Jews that were exiled in Babylon, but they also ruled, uh, you know, the old, uh, the basically half to mostly deserted uh, land of Israel. Okay? And this was a decently good development for the Jewish people that the Persians had taken over because the Persians actually encouraged and had no problem with people practicing their religion, even if it was different than the Persians' religions. And the uh, Babylonians weren't that way at all. They were trying to crush everybody and make everybody be exactly like them. Part of what they would do is try to like, you know, strip people of their background and who they are so that it was easier to, to rule them over time, right? That's kind of what had happened. Now, one of the leaders of Persia, Cyrus, he began to let some of the Jewish people go back to Israel and start to rebuild their temple, okay? And as you may have pieced together, while the Jews were in exile in Babylon, they weren't really doing much of their regular connecting with God religious practice stuff. So most of the Jewish people didn't study, know, or remember the Bible much at all. Their Bible would have included at this point the first five books of the Bible, uh, and uh, 
that would be, you know, in our Old Testament, and they called that the book of the law. So the situation that we have is that God's very own people, the ones who had been given God's very own word, didn't really know it anymore. But as the Jewish people moved back into Israel and rebuilt the temple and started rebuilding the ruins of the city of Jerusalem and the outlying areas, their hearts began to be awakened again. They began to desire to know more about God and to know more about the scriptures. So they asked the priest Ezra, who had studied, knew, and actually had the scriptures. He had one of the scrolls to read the scriptures to them. And so I'm going to start just before chapter 8 in, in chapter 7, verse seven, uh, 73. This is Nehemiah. In October, if you wanted to know what month this was, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, uh, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So in, uh, on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of law before the assembly, which included the men and the women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced a square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. What a cool picture. I think there are a lot of Bible teachers that would think that this is the best day that ever happened. When your people get together without you saying anything, and they say, you know what we'd like? We'd like you to read the Bible all morning long because we're stoked, right? That's what's happening here. It's all morning long. So Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, who we sang about today, and we sang too today. And all the people chanted, amen, amen. And they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is a beautiful picture of desire for God and reverence, you know, for God's word. I think a lot of us have had those times when it's just like, I'm just filled with such awe and reverence for God and God's word. Some scholars point out that Ezra isn't reading this all, of, all by himself. Um, if you look at the passage, there are a lot of, I think there are 13 other people that are listed as being there. It appears that they were probably just taking turns reading. And one of the scholars that I read said that this actually, um, whether on purpose, which he thinks maybe is on purpose or on accident, does send the message that the Bible isn't just for the priest. It isn't just for the scribe. It's for the people. And we still believe that today here. The Bible's for us. So they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, and the other, probably the other 13 people who were interpreting for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. That's a great picture. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, 
for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That was a little bit of a shift at the end. Every time I read that story, it catches me off guard. Did it catch you off guard a little bit? Suddenly we have people mourning and crying. Governor Nehemiah, Ezra the priest, and Levites doing the readings all have to tell everyone to stop weeping, to remember that it's actually supposed to be a party day and to be reminded about celebration and that there's joy and that there's strength in the Lord. So what happened here? Well, during the reading of the scriptures, the people heard the specifics of what God wanted them to do and wanted from them. And they all went, oh, I didn't do that. I don't do that. We don't do that. None of us have done that. We've all done this so poorly. We've done this incorrectly. We have messed it up. We didn't do what God wants. And in this, we see a case of Scripture pointing to the people, right? In seeing what the Scripture called, called them to do, the people realized how lacking they were. And it broke their hearts. Have you ever wanted to be good? To be loving like God? To do what God asks of you? as much as you understand what God asks you to do. And then you realize you didn't do those things well at all. Have you ever read the Bible, seen what God wants from you, God's people, and realized you've fallen short? I sure have. I have felt like the Israelites in 444 B.C. I have wept and mourned over my life sometimes when I see what God would like. You know, God wants us to live and love well. That's really what all those commandments and things are, right? They're not to wreck our lives and make it no fun. It's to protect our hearts and to protect the hearts of other people, to be loving, right? And a lot of times I haven't loved well. I haven't loved as well as I wanted to. But today, I get to say the same thing that Ezra and Nehemiah and those Levites said to the people 444 B.C. that day. When you see your failures and your shortcomings, you don't need to keep mourning and weeping. There is joy and there is strength in the Lord. And today, we have an even greater joy and strength than the people in Nehemiah's time had because we have Jesus. We have God sent to us. And so our first phase was that the scriptures reveal us. And then the second phase is this. Scripture and Jesus reveal each other. They are directly related. So, before Jesus, the people of God had the same problem every single one of us probably have before Jesus. God gave them commandments to help them live and love well, and they found they weren't able to do it. They weren't able to live and love the way that God wanted them to. And you may be aware of this, but it can be hard to be good people (laughs) with a lot of work, some of us can be pretty good at managing our behavior pretty well. But even those who work hardest and behave best still fail. Sometimes they end up hurting themselves, and sometimes they end up hurting people around them. And even those of us who manage our behavior pretty well aren't necessarily changed on the inside, are we? 
Some of us are better at looking like we've got it together than actually having it together. And the good news is that God knows this, and God has always known this. And God's answer isn't to only leave you with a book and rules and then say, try harder. That isn't God's solution. God has always known that what we really need is a savior. Someone who can bring actual forgiveness, like real forgiveness, not just forgetting things, but actually being forgiven for the things we actually did. A God who can bring us freedom wherever we're oppressed. Freedom to other people who have, we've messed up, right? And actual real change where we're different people on the inside. God promised to do this multiple times in the Old Testament. If you look through the Old Testament, there are all kinds of places where God's promising this. Turns out God knew that he could only do this work himself at the end of the day. And this is why God came to us in the person of Jesus. This is epiphany. God coming to us, being born as a human, living a perfect life, dying for our sins, being raised again, being alive right now with the same power that raised him from the dead for us. This is epiphany. This is God revealed to us, the living God. And so in Luke chapter 4, God reads one of those promises of God from the Old Testament, and then what he does is he points directly to himself. The scripture and Jesus point at each other. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. Again, that's from our Old Testament as well. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. This is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down. You know, maybe he sat right over here, right? The people in the synagogue looked at him intently. All eyes were on him, and then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Scripture repeatedly pointed to a time when God would send a savior to bring good news for the poor and freedom for the captives and the impressed, sight to those who can't see and favor the favor of God for everyone. And God points, uh, Jesus actually points to that scripture, that promise of God and says, it's me. I do this. And then Jesus not only reads the stuff, he goes out and does it. He does all of those things. And he's still doing those things today because Jesus is not dead. Because of Jesus, there's good news for you today. God has freedom and favor for you, even in the midst of struggle and not doing things perfectly. Earlier this week, I was looking at God's promise to his people in Ezekiel 36. Um, it's three verses, 25 through 28. And I just wanted you to hear it. I wanted you to listen to it. So it's not going to be up 
on the screen or anything. Um, you might even want to close your eyes, but I'm going to read this promise of God. This is God saying, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is the promise of God to you. And this is fulfilled in Christ. This is possible because of Christ. God wants freedom for the oppressed. God wants the blind to see. God has a new heart for you. Isn't that awesome? And Jesus wants to fill you with the same spirit of the sovereign Lord that is upon him. You and I need the filling of God's Holy Spirit to become who we were created to be and to do the work of the kingdom. Because that brings us to our third and last phase. Both Jesus and Scripture reveal who we can be. Jesus and Scripture say that together we can be a body. We can be the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Together, we can be the body of Christ. That's what Jesus is doing. That's his plan. We need each other for this. And that means that there's a place for you in God's kingdom. And you're not disqualified if you seem weak or if you are weak. In fact, this scripture says, if you seem weak, you might actually be the most necessary. How about that? Remember, remember Thanos in the Avengers? Now, in the following movie, I won't totally ruin it for you, but what it's about is uh, the Avengers that uh, are left try to get those Infinity Stones back so that they can undo you know, what's happened, so they can put things right again, okay? Jesus does not need Infinity Stones to put things back to being right, to turn things around, to make things better than they ever were. You know, the Avengers are only getting it back to where they were, which was better than where they were at that moment, right? Jesus is doing something that's greater than that. He does it in us. He does it through the work of the Holy Spirit. And he does it through the body of Christ, us gathered together. He does it through you and me, okay? He brings freedom, healing, and forgiveness to us. He brings those things through us as we are together as his body, 
So go ahead and be aware that you didn't do what God called you to do all the time. Go ahead and be sad that you have fallen short. It's not a bad thing to be aware of those things. We are not in like make-believe land where we're just faking everything, right? We've actually screwed things up. Cry and mourn over hurt you've caused other people. It's completely fair, right? Pretty disconnected to our hearts sometimes, right? If we're really hurting people and either we can't see it or we see it and we don't care. That's not the heart of Christ, right? But don't keep crying and mourning. Just like the people 440 years before Jesus was born, they were told, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in Christ, God is revealing himself to you and me. So say yes to Jesus. Say yes to the forgiveness, freedom, and healing he has for you. And say yes to being part of Jesus' body that brings forgiveness, freedom, and healing to other people. Now, if you don't have a place to do that, we would love it to be here at River Heights. And the River Heights people probably said amen silently right there. We'd love it if it was here. And so I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able, and I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And I'd love it if a couple of our people, a few people, as many people as we have in the room that are on our trained prayer team would make themselves available up here at the front. Because what we're going to do right now is what we do every week. Uh, we're going to have a time here to respond to God. We're going to respond to God in worship and prayer. So this is your place to say yes to, to Jesus today. To give yourself to Jesus in song, that might be the thing that is moving on your heart. Uh, you could, you know, give yourself to Christ in coming forward and getting prayer from these people who I know, and I know that they will pray well, you know. Especially if you're in a place where you realize, I want more of God's freedom, I want more of God's healing, I want more of, like, God's favor on my life. It doesn't mean that your life is going to go, like, perfect, right? But God's favor being upon us means that we're okay. It's all right. The Holy Spirit is with us. We don't need to be afraid. Good things can happen because of Christ, no matter what we're going through, okay? You might need some of those things today, and Jesus wants to give those things to you. So let somebody pray for you this morning, okay? Um, and I'm going to leave you with three tips as well. You can take these into your week. The first is to read something. I'm going to uh, invite you to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. That, those are the scriptures about the body of Christ that we've already looked at today. And then there's a pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite us to ask Jesus what part he has for us, what part Jesus has for you to play in his body right now. And maybe your week can be a little bit like mine sometimes and it gets away from you. I'm going to make a little space for that right now. Okay? Feel free to pray this later in the week. That's great. But let's make a little bit of a space right now. Jesus, I just ask that you would reveal to us what part you have for us to play in the body. And maybe some of you have been serving and being part of the body for quite a while. And I think the Lord would want to say to you, Thank you. Blessings upon you. You're appreciated. 
Jesus loves having you be part of his body. He loves being connected to you. So blessings upon you if you've been, you know, connected and you've been playing a part. God, if, if, there, are, if there are some of us that don't have a part to play and maybe just haven't asked that, God, would you, we just trust you to be able to speak to us in a simple way. It's probably not a big, huge deal. You're not going to call us to do something that is like so outside of our ability to do it with your help, God. Would you speak to us about the part you have for us to play? Let's just be aware. God might use some weird coincidences. God might, you know, give you like a, a thought that's a really good thought that wouldn't be exactly like your normal kind of thoughts. A lot of times that's God. You could even just ask somebody that you trust and that you love and who's doing some stuff that you'd like to be doing. You could say, what are you doing? What do you think I might be good at? I love those conversations. Those are a lot of fun. So just be aware. If God might be speaking to you right now, just listen and just be aware that God might speak to you um, in in the coming days if you're not hearing anything right now. And then the do is to say yes to Jesus and take action on that thing, whatever that thing that God is saying. Stay the course or there's a new thing I have for you. Um, especially if you seem weak, okay? If you're feeling weak, and I have, and I shoot, there are a lot of places in my life where I feel like I'm not as strong as I'd like to be. We're not disqualified if we seem weak. There's a, there's a part for us to play, okay? And there's one specific thing I want to point out to us that the Lord might be on. Um, you know, we, we heard about these life groups in Alpha in the announcements. Alpha is a great place to learn more about Jesus and to learn more about Scripture and what the Bible says, which is exactly what I'm talking about today. And it's also a great place to be a part of the body. Okay? It's a place to do all these things that we're talking about today. And so maybe your to-do is to sign up for a life group, to sign up for an Alpha group today and just see what the Lord wants to do for you in these next months. So normally... Um, I would go and I would greet everybody on the way out, but I'm going to play some guitar and worship in the room with you. So the leaders are going to lead us in worship, come forward and get prayer, um, and they're going to let us know when it's time to go. Um, yeah, and if you want to talk to me, you could stick around extra long today or something, okay? But friends, bless you. Let's say yes to the Lord together and, and give ourselves to him.